What the fuck is up, world? Biali, Plastic Bak. We're back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. Se ha dicho. Coming one week's time, boy, since our last episode. Been about, um, well, fuck, seven days. <laughs> so fucking forced to have it at this point, having to apologize for all the time that I spent, but. Again, slowly but surely trying to get back on track after the cataclysmic events that, you know, rocked your boy's world, but trying to get back to how it was before that, you know what I mean? Not because we're trying to forget, but because we're trying to learn to live with it, if you will, right? So I got a lot of shit to talk about, and rather than belay the point, I'm going to just get straight into it, okay? Starting with, of course, the formalities as always. If you haven't already, follow your boy, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram. Something along the same lines on the Facebook and Twitter, you know, if you're so inclined. But again, I don't really use that shit, so you'll definitely find me on the gram, okay? And I guess on YouTube where you can find these videos too if you want to watch the video, if you're only listening to the audio, right? Uh, for those of you who are coming along by way of the uh, social medias, what's good? I see you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate the fuck out of it, okay? So let's just get on with it, dog. Um, I seem to be following a little bit of a trajectory right now where I'm talking all about the foundational elements of hood philosophy, and this podcast is going to be no different. I'm kind of pulling a little Wayne in that sense, if you will. Okay, for those of you, <laughs> for those of you who possibly don't know, there was this point in time, right, where Weezy would write all his rhymes down and shit, but he felt as though it was limiting his growth as an artist, and he kind of wanted to, um, he wanted to move beyond that, right? Now, obviously, <laughs> uh, the way that he did so was he dropped that legendary fucking mixtape, the uh, Ten Thousand Bars, right? It's like thirty-seven minute freestyle and shit. You know what I mean? And uh, from there, he went on to have one of the most pro- fucking prolific careers in hip-hop history, obviously. You know what I mean? Now, uh, me, myself, I'm not hoping for anything akin to the, the sort of mega stardom that, you know, Wheezy attained because of that. I'm just hoping to get this shit off my computer already so I can start, you know, focusing more on... Honestly, if I'm being completely honest with you, the book that I want to work on. And I say book, but it's really like books because it's like spiraled into like several different projects, three specifically, right? And I want to start fucking focusing on them. A lot of it's going to entail what I'm talking about here in this podcast, much the same way that a lot of Wheezy songs follow the similar vein. Oh, there we go. A little bit too low, this fucking microphone at one time. Uh, uh, pardon for, you know, the low audio to begin with. But the gist is that just the same way as, you know, a lot of Wheezy's future songs were featured in that 10,000 bars mixtape. That's kind of the same idea that I'm having here myself with this fucking podcast series that I'm on right now where I'm revisiting the foundational uh, text, if you will, of Hood Philosophy. In the hopes that I can just focus my mind, bro, okay? And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess and when I was when I was preparing this episode, again, just going back to like the whole, whatever, the, just going back to the foundation of hood philosophy and what inevitably gave birth to what is known now as El Grito Podcast, you know what I mean? And uh, I was thinking about it as I was preparing this podcast because I don't want to just be firing off some shit that's, you know, tired and pedantic, some shit that you can hear in other podcasts. Some shit that I've already talked about at length, perhaps even on this podcast. I want to try to keep it as fresh as possible. My fucking audio just keeps going in and out, so I do apologize for that. I'm not really sure what's going on with that. Uh, I will get it situated, though. Give me one second. All right, so I apologize for the audio issues that I'm experiencing with this particular episode. It's kind of been a whirlwind day, um, but it's part of the whole fucking process of trying to get back on track. You know, I've had a very, busy, a very busy day, and I'm trying to just squeeze this bitch in before the day ends. You know what I mean? Still got a lot more shit to do, but got to make it happen, so... These little fucking shits that are popping up right now, inconveniences for sure, but it's all part of the process of trying to make it so, you know what I mean? So I do apologize and I do uh, appreciate you continuing to stay, uh, stay with me. Anyway, let's just get straight to it, dog. The point is like when I was thinking back about when I was writing this episode, I was like, you know, thinking back about the foundations, obviously, of hood philosophy because that's what I was working on, but also about what it is what it is that this podcast is intended to be. 
I call this bitch El Grito for a reason, dogs, for a few reasons, okay? And the first of which being a shout out, obviously, to both the Mexican Grito and the Chicano Grito, these fucking proclamations of freedom, if you will. But um, it's also meant to be a play on words, bro. Um, you know, the Grito, for those of you who don't speak Spanish, it's a yell, okay? So this podcast was originally intended, if you will, in, you know, <laughs> complete existential pompousness to be my weekly yell, quote unquote, um, about what it is that I'm kind of going through at life in the moment, right? And there's mad reasons why I started this bitch, dog, when, you know, when I was reflecting on it. And one of which being was to help teach the philosophy beyond the classroom setting, of course, as I've tried to do, as I've, you know, tried to organize this podcast in the last year or so in, in regards to just centrally focused on philosophy, right? Trying to teach the shit that I myself was not allowed to teach. Not, not, not that I'm not allowed, but that I couldn't really focus on in greater detail in my philosophy classes, you know what I mean? So I wanted to take it out of the philosophy class to, quote unquote, liberate the knowledge, if you will, and expand on the shit that I'm mostly interested in, you know what I mean? But uh, I guess perhaps most importantly, it was kind of the desire to build a network of like-minded folks, bro. It's perhaps been one of my most, the, 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 one of the greatest joys that I've had in this two-year process that I've been, almost three years now, with this whole hood philosophy shit and with this Grito podcast. It's the fucking meeting of like-minded folks like myself, you know what I mean? Shout out to all you motherfuckers who are listening to this shit still to this day, right? Um, those of you who have come along from day one, those of you who are just joining along, like that's, that, that's kind of the whole point, right? is to try to build this fucking fellow community. Try to find, if you will, not even build, but just find a community of like-minded people. And I guess, obviously, the other idea being here, the chance to get rid of the ideas that have been interfering with my ability to stay focused, again, on the book. And, you know, obviously, I don't want to say obviously, but also, uh, in interest of full disclosure, the dissertation that I'm still, like, up in the air about writing about. You know what I mean? So I figured, you know, fuck it. I'm going to use this podcast to purge as many of these thoughts off my fucking, you know, out of my head instead of, you know, so I don't have to feel completely fucking overwhelmed by them and compelled, if you will, to build on each and every single idea that I get as I'm writing and reading and all that kind of shit. And I can focus on what truly matters, right? So to that end, that's what this episode is again, right? More of a return to the basics of hood philosophy and the quote unquote El Grito podcast, right? Now, before I get into all that though, I do want to first share with y'all a little bit of taste of the book that I'm writing, okay? It's going to be a shameless plug, if you will. And uh, part of it is a chance to hype it up, but mostly because in, when I was rereading the shit that I was writing this weekend or this week, you know what I mean? Um, an insight that I gleaned in the wake of my the, the, the passing of my brother uh, that has really stuck out with me, bro, it's really struck out with me, is that, you know, life, it truly is meant to be enjoyed, homie, right? And this is more, this is more than that hedonistic, uh, that hedonic satiation of physical and attitude, uh, attitudinal shit, bro. This is more than the hedonic, uh, you know, hedonism in general, just philosophical hedonism, okay? This is, at least I believe so. What it is, uh, I, I could be mistaken, you know, maybe the, this is exactly what hedonism says, but for, as far as my understanding is clear, it's not really necessarily what they're saying. Um, what I'm trying to say, though, is like, I, I, I think I'm still, I don't think, man, I, the realization is that I'm still... I'm still in many ways affected by the Judeo-Christian idea that I need to be working towards some predetermined goal before my end, because if not, my life will have been for a waste and I will die with, you know, regret, you know, type typical shit. That's like, that's nonsense, bro. I, and it's weird to me because I like to imagine myself as being like decolonized or in the process of decolonizing. But there's no question that this idea of a teleology, this end goal that, my, that I in my head, as we talked about in the previous podcast, perhaps you as well, have that we need to be at at the time of our fucking passing and that we don't get there if we don't complete this and our lives would have been an entire waste and we'll die with regret and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Now, don't get me twisted. A lot of this itself is inherent in Nawa philosophy itself, specifically the goal of finding, if you will, quote unquote, our face so that, you know, we can do our part in ordering our, uh, uh, in the ordering of our personal lives so that we can, you know, 
uh, be better ordered, not only personally, but as well as society, uh, societally. Okay. But where it differs, at least I believe, is in the entire process of doing so. Okay. Because obviously, this Nawa philosophy, it remains non agentive. Another pause for the audio. Yeah, this, uh, going back, um, this Nawa philosophy, it may, it remains unagentive. Okay. So what I mean by that is that the process of order and unordering is the process of theo unfolding. Okay. And while we can work to sway it in one way or another, obviously, hopefully in our favor, whether it's a good thing or a bad, as I've emphasized before, is inconsequential because neither of those concepts in their Christian sense, uh, exist in the Nawa way. Right. And <laughs> in that respect, then it, it it's just stricken me as reason. It's just, is the insight that I've gleaned recently is that this idea that I need to be doing something and try to get to this a predetermined point in my life that I've established is going to determine whether my life was quote unquote good or bad. Like you say you're decolonized on one hand, but you're still beholding to this fucking Christian teleological nonsense on the other hand. So, you know, that's kind of where the insights of this particular episode are going to come from. This, you know, uh, this, it's just a fancy way of saying, I guess, that I'm learning to accept myself and who I am and what I am and where I'm at in life, you know, slowly but surely still trying to go along the process. It's the never ending process, as we've talked about before. OK, um, I talked about previously in my, in my podcast in the previous episode, rather, about the anxiety, for instance, and how it fucks with me daily to the point of complete mental exhaustion. Right. And this is kind of along the same vein uh, where it differs, I suppose, is that I'm still doing everything that I need to do to live a good life, you know, ordering myself, if you will, quote unquote. But. I'm trying to learn to understand that none of that means nothing if I'm not enjoying it. You know what I mean? And that's kind of where this teleological Christianity, Judeo-Christian uh, nonsense is, is still kind of fucking with me. Because to determine whether it means something or not means that it's inherently, in my eyes, good or bad, what I'm doing or not doing or where I end up at. But again, this, non this notion of good or bad, this Christian notion of good or bad doesn't exist in not what that. So if you're completely decolonized, you got to get rid of this idea that not arriving to your... Uh, predetermined end goal that you yourself, me personally, in my, in my instance, right, uh, I put in my head or that society put in our heads is a good or bad thing. It's not. Um, what, if I guess the point I'm trying to say is like happiness is not a destination, bro. It's a way to navigate the world. We navigate the world through happiness. You know what I'm trying to say? And that's kind of the insight that I gleaned in, 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 in attempting to write this podcast. And obviously, this kind of hits me really hard right now when I think about it in terms of my brother, because again, you know, that motherfucker died at 34, yo. So, you know, I'm really not trying to hear this idea at the moment that there is some sort of grand ontological path that we must be working to at all moments. And that if we don't or, or if we aren't, you know, working towards it and if we don't succeed in turn, that we're worthless or that we've wasted our time, you know, that we've wasted our shot at life in doing so. Because I, I just I think that's bullshit, bro. Uh, and the reason why is because I, I just maybe I'm being sensitive, but I don't think it is true. I don't think it is that. Like my brother, bro, he was a fucking, he, he was a great person and he lived a life of passion, bro. <laughs> right. And, uh, his greatest passion and pleasure was not this idea of being this fucking historical figure that gets remembered through the annals of history, but rather this fucking loving husband, bro. And a father of two, which, you know, that bro, what more could you fucking possibly want for life, bro? With this idea that we need to leave this lasting global legacy Right. As like, I don't know, man, it's just weird. This weird fucking inherent desire of humans, apparently, that we all have. I know I'm not the only one that's fucking struggling through this. So I guess the point that I'm trying to convey is that, you know, I don't need to be working towards this fucking what's the point, I should say, more specifically, of working towards this grand teleological process if I'm not enjoying the way along, uh, enjoying the process along the way. It's not a new insight. I'm just learning it for the first time. You know what I mean? We've all heard before that. It's not the fucking destination. It's the journey when it comes to studying philosophy where all the wisdom is gleaned. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the basic gist of what I'm talking about here. 
Part of the wisdom is in learning to apply happiness, appreciation, gratitude, etc., and so on along the journey because realistically, that's all we fucking got. You know what I mean? And this idea of this fucking lofty expectations and standards that have been placed on us or that we've placed on ourselves being the fucking determining factor in the happiness, it's, it's fucking nonsense, bro. Okay? So, yeah, that's where I'm currently at. That's my grito for the week, if you will, which, you know, <laughs> I'll use as a segue to get into the scatterbrain ideas that I was sifting through in my recent, you know, uh, quest to purge myself of all the shit again that it is that, you know, I've written and then I'm eager to let go of, right? But again, before I do, I do want to share that quick little excerpt that I stumbled upon from the book that I'm working on, right? That I actually felt that for the first, one of the, one of the few pieces that I've been working on in terms of like actually working towards the book that I did not feel was a piece of shit, right? And again, this is just, you know, hyping it up, you know, looking forward to the book that I look forward to releasing. So here we go. Uh, here it's, let me just jump into it. Okay. It says, I would sit there. Oh, let me situate it, I guess, personally. The idea here being why study philosophy, you know, uh, that, that's going to be the central gist of the three books that I've been working on. But this one specifically is going to tail off into hood philosophy, the importance of hood philosophy. Okay. And, you know, so, uh, here we go. The, the, the quote goes, I would sit there in class attempting to formulate logical proofs, desperately trying to convince myself that deconstructing the essence of reductio was a meaningful pursuit in fleeting reality. All the while fighting against a dreadful realization that, in the age of supercomputers, it was realistically nothing more than an exercise in futility. While the argument can undoubtedly be made that these exercises helped formulate the critical thinking skills required of a philosopher, they did very little to quell the burning inferno of existential angst that, that emanated from within the deepest recesses of my being. For an entire semester, I forced myself to learn proper techniques necessary to demonstrate how propositions could be rendered absurd, completely oblivious to the fact that I was staring the absurdity in the face every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9 to 9.50 a.m. in the morning. In my desperate quest to find what to do with my life, I had been subsumed by a system that turned humanity's search for meaning into a detached study of knowledge and understanding that did nothing more than further the very disillusionment that led me to study philosophy in the first place. In simplest terms, I was learning straight bullshit. I did not decide to study philosophy so I could learn why 2 plus 2 equals 4. I studied philosophy because I was so terrified of existence that I would often drift into surreal states of extreme depersonalization, the likes of which only unhealthy amounts of alcohol and prescription drugs could alleviate. Lost in the cloudy days of unfamiliarity with myself, others, and the world at large, I searched desperately for answers that could, at the very least, bring me back to base level of existence necessary to function as a somewhat normal person. And yet, the only wisdom my professor seemed intent to relay to me was that which was conveyed through relatively pedantic views of wealthy Europeans that had little to offer someone in my position. To add insult to injury, their philosophies were conveyed in the most pretentious of manners that masked the simplicity of their ideas in overly complicated and needlessly dense language. Had I had the foresight, I would have rebelled against my professors and the overly priced education they were giving me, demanding that they explain to me how any of this shit they were teaching was going to help me figure anything out of real importance in life. I did not, and still don't, care about the identity of indiscernibles. I wanted to know what I was doing with my life. What I was doing with my life, rather. Existence is a massive mystery, and on top of attempting to make sense of my place in it all, I was battling the dread inherent with recognizing the futility of doing so. 
In my fervor, I turned to philosophy in hopes of finding a reason as to why life was even worth living in the first place, and in turn, why I shouldn't just yeet myself into non-existence instead. Expecting to find elaborate treatments of the ghost that haunted me by philosophies. <laughs> Let me rephrase that part, right? Uh, the ghosts that haunted me by philosophers who were equally or greater confused and tortured than I, I was instead welcomed by those that did nothing more than perpetuate the absurdity that plagued me into this vicious cycle in the first place. The disillusionment was so real that at one point I was ready to completely abandon my most cherished convictions and shift majors, briefly believing that the answers to the pain I was experiencing were hiding in the only place I had yet to look. It would be anything but hyperbole to say that I was looking for a miracle capable of exercising the overwhelming weight of sorrow and confusion that defined the majority of my life. And by this point, I was willing to give my life away to anything that was capable of providing me with a temporary solitude from the constant barrage in my mind that I most, that I most desired. Thankfully, that same semester, I was taking an existentialism class that saved my philosophic career. And at the risk of sounding entirely theatrical, quite possibly my life as well. As it, was, as it was in this course that I was introduced to the philosophy could be so much more than that which was offered in the analytic tradition. Granted, still entirely European, but at least in these existential philosophers, I learned that I wasn't alone in considering the futility of existence, that I wasn't alone in feeling completely a stranger to myself, let alone in my anguish of being weighted down from the past that could never truly define who I was and was I what I was going to become. This entire time, I felt completely isolated and alone, oblivious to the fact that the company I sought rested in the annals of the quote-unquote existential tradition of philosophy that has existed from the moment humans first became aware of the impermanence of their existence on Earth. And end scene, right? It's a quick little, seg a quick little section, if you will, from the, the book on the importance of hood philosophy. That's going to be the foundational text, if you will, for hood philosophy. It was initially intended to be my dissertation, but I'm telling you, it's looking more and more like I'm just going to drop out of my PhD program because fuck them. That's why they have nothing to offer me and I'm the only one offering them anything in return. And I'm just, I'm not rocking with that relationship anymore, right? At least that's how I feel today. I could change, I could wake up tomorrow and want to go back and, you know, then. But for now, it's looking as though this is going to be something that I release entirely of my own because I don't need some motherfucking academic dork that's only a couple years older than me to tell me whether my shit is fucking relevant or not. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, in returning to this particular piece of work, again, I was reminded of how much of the role, the issues of meaning, purpose, and perhaps most importantly, suicide, played in the development of hood philosophy. Now, uh, as I've mentioned before in previous episodes, uh, I was heavily plagued by this question, again, until, you know, I guess the passing of my brother, realistically. I wish I could say that it's like a complete non-issue for me in my life at this point, but that that would be disingenuous, homie. Um because, you know, you just never know. Life is, you, you don't have the fucking gift of fucking foresight. You know what I mean? But at least right now I can say that any struggles that I had with that ideation in the past has been completely defanged, if you will, at this point. Because it just makes, I, I've come to realize just how precious this experience is. And the idea of ending it of my own volition because of my inability or weakness to be able to fucking continue along is just, it's not even a question anymore. You know what I mean? At least not for now. You know what I mean? Like, again, I don't have the gift of foresight, but I just don't see it returning in, in the strength that it ever had before over my life. Okay. But anyways, that's, that's a different topic for another day, dog. For this episode, you know, the point is focusing on how I started realizing that, you know, again, all the talk about meaning and purpose and all that kind of shit and the decolonizing, it's still, it's, it's, again, I guess it's just, 
It's a never-ending process, bro. It's a never-ending process, right? Uh, it, just realizing, it, I say it's an exasperated gasp of fucking, you know, a, a gasp of exasperation because I just realized how it's a recurring theme, if you will, the desire to, if you, uh, uh, to use the Nahuatl understanding, set roots down, you know, find some sort of meaning and purpose in a in a in a in, in, in a world that is in a constant state of motion. You know what I mean? And the inherent frustration associated with that, just the realization that it's. It's it's never ending. It's not going to stop, and that's okay. You got to find joy and happiness in, in in you know in rolling along, if you will, with 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 the processive nature of reality is what I'm trying to say, right? And as far as you know, the whole suicide shit is concerned, I, I guess I should emphasize that I'm not trying to make light of it, bro. I'm not trying to make light of it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a very real problem, not just in society but in philosophy as well. Okay, and as such, you know, obviously the most famous treatment, at least in the Western world, of philosophy get coming to us by way of Camus. You know what I mean? With the absurd, the idea here being that the only serious philosophical question that we need to concern ourselves with is the question of suicide. You know what I mean? And so I'm not trying to make light of it, dog, by any stretch of the imagination. It's a problem that needs to be addressed because, you know, the more we dance around the subject and pretend like it ain't no thing, the more it's going to continue to rear its ugly head, bro. Especially right now with everything that's going on in the world, like just, you know, the pandemic and shit, more, more and more people succumbing to this fucking fate because of you know, the loneliness and the isolation and the fucking meaninglessness and the hopelessness inherent with living through this fucking strange times that we're living in. You know what I mean? So I guess like all matters, realistically, I do believe that philosophy is qualified to address all of this, bro, as evident, again, by, you know, by Albert Camus. It's not like a shocking revelation that I'm giving you. This is something that's already been fucking, Camus won a Nobel Prize for this shit. You know what I mean? This idea of fucking rebelling against the absurd of existence. And, I'm, you know, the shit that this hood philosophy shit that I'm working on is, is no different, bro. It's been, if anything, it's deeply influenced by, you know, this Camusian fact. Not so much like the character himself, but just picking up the same ideas. And I'm not, not perhaps as uh, eloquently articulated as Camus were, but certainly along the same vein with trying to find meaning and purpose and, you know, struggling against the, 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 the absurdity of trying to do so in a world that is in a constant state of motion and trying more importantly to fucking understand happiness not as an end goal but as a fucking as a way of navigating through this process you know what i'm saying so uh, that that's kind of the whole point that i'm trying to get to with this episode of the podcast just to further contextualize it because i know it's been a little bit scattered thus far you know what i mean now uh and moving along i should continue to emphasize that i'm absolutely by no stretch of the imagination advocating that a strictly philosophical approach to both depression and suicide is going to be the end-all cure for all for, for either one of the issues right that'd be irresponsible of me to do so but at the same time, I'm not going to ignore the prevalence of quote unquote depression, if you will. I say, I, I say quote unquote because if you've listened to his podcast uh, uh, long enough now, you know that I would most likely refer to it mostly as a sickness of spirit and which is completely understandable given this fucking diseased and decaying society that we're living in. You know what I mean? So, um, when it comes to the prevalence of this fucking sickness of spirit that generally leads, uh, you know, what it leads to like this ignoring dog. This sickness of spirit, it leads to the ignoring of many of the complex issues that we face on a daily basis. Again, picking up with many of the things that I've talked about in the previous three podcasts already. The, the, the desire to anesthetize ourselves, if you will. You know what I mean? So now we're getting more so towards the, the, the impetus for that the desire to anesthetize oneself. And it seems as though part of it is definitely the fucking sickness of spirit, the depression, if you will, right? Uh, that we face on a daily basis, you know? And I personally feel that as philosophers, we have been tasked to sort through this. You know what I mean? Uh, we've been ones that have been tasked to fucking pick up this burden, for, you know, on behalf of humanity and try to make sense of it. 
which inherently implies that we have to plunge ourselves into these fucking waters that many people find uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And some find outright terrifying, but that's our responsibility. That's our job. So when I'm talking about, you know, how fucking stupid I think, don't get me twisted, bro. Logic has a great, it plays an important role. It's fucking awesome and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Without logic, we don't have fucking modern computational science. I, I, I agree completely with all that. But what I'm saying is that to focus strictly on that analytic approach, we're kind of doing ourselves a disservice. We're doing humanity a disservice because, again, as philosophers, we have been the ones that have been tasked to pick up this fucking enormous burden and sift through it for the sake of, I'm not trying to sound fucking grandiose, but for the sake of humanity, because that's our job as philosophers to fucking wrestle with these hugely complex issues to try to make sense of them and, you know, pass along the fucking insights that we glean to other people who are going through it as well. You know what I mean? In the hopes of, alleviating if only slightly the amount of suffering that they might be experiencing because of that right and uh hence the whole fucking little fucking monologue that i just gave you about my book and all that from the book that i'm working on and all that kind of shit you know what i mean uh this this is where this comes from bro this idea that bro motherfuckers are hurting bro they may not show it you know they may not show it in ways that would lead you to directly to believe that oh that person is clearly in pain but you know it's definitely there prevalent in a lot of the actions that we engage in uh, I guess the best way to convey this idea was with a meme that I saw once talking about suicidal behavior. You know what I mean? How some people are, you know, their suicidal behavior manifests in like very physical actions, such as, you know, cutting themselves and shit. But for others of us, it manifests like in a slower suicide through the actions such as smoking cigarettes or eating junk food, being complacent, as you know, uh, sedentary, I should say. Those are all suicidal behaviors because we know that they're unhealthy for us, but they're, it's a, like a long, prolonged process and one that inevitably, if we do succumb to it, that we can't necessarily be made to be felt guilty for because in terms of our family, they can't necessarily feel, you know, angry at us even because it's it's something that's a, a normal, if you will. Uh, 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 it's normal behavior in, in our Western society. So that when we look at someone who succumbs to those kind of issues, we don't look at them like, oh, that selfish motherfucker committed suicide by never putting down Twinkies. You know what I mean? We look at them and say like, oh, fuck, this motherfucker, like he died young. And, you know, perhaps like his lifestyle had a lot to do with it. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, like eh, it is what it is. That's how life rolls. You know what I mean? And uh, so that's kind of the idea here talking about um, this notion of, you know, you you don't necessarily see people who are in pain because they are not going to explicitly tell you like I'm fucking in pain. You know what I mean? They're not going to be walking around like the same way you would if you were nursing a broken arm and shit that has yet to be casted. You know what I mean? Because these are emotional wounds. These are, these are spiritual wounds and the like. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't mean that it's not there. And, you know, people, I, I'm not trying to sound grandiose, homie, but I, I'm very perceptive to that kind of shit. You know what I mean? I'm very perceptive to when people's fucking vibes are off in a negative way, not negative because they're hostile. And even, I guess, the hostility, but even through the hostility, I can read a lot, a lot of anger and from the anger, a lot of sadness. You know what I mean? Um, I can feel, I can, I can sense, if you will, like when people are faking the funk, basically type shit, because I'm an expert in fucking faking the funk. So I can pick it up like a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, I know what you're doing because I do that shit all the time. I'm like, you know what I mean? And I guess that was a, a lot of the impetus as to why this whole hood philosophy shit really fucking started to deviate from what it was that I was learning and myself already at this point teaching in academia. You know what I mean? I would just see, for instance, bro, like I would just see people in life, especially here in the hood, bro, who are people who are depressed about their prospects in life. You know what I mean? I specifically single out the hood because we got motherfuckers with like criminal records already, bro. People who dropped out of high school. You know what I mean? And they're getting older, we're getting older, and starting to realize just how difficult it is to navigate ourselves in society by way of all the fucking uh, uh, shit that we have on our past record. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, most of them don't 
understand the way out. There's just no way out for them because we weren't educated in the ways to get out, how to escape this bitch. You know what I mean? We weren't educated in the ways to escape the hood. That's kind of one of the points of hood philosophy is to fucking navigate an escape route for other people and to share it with them. Let them know like, oh, dog, there is hope. You know what I mean? This idea of building community. Like, it takes a fucking village, bro. This idea of this Western world that we have to be individuals is fucking nonsense. That they only fucking atomize us because it's easier to control us and it's harder for us to unite to fucking, you know, liberate ourselves basically. Okay? So, basically what happened is just like, I'm looking around, dog. I see it in my students' face. I see it in the face of people I fucking encounter in the hood, my homies and shit, myself, bro. You know, we're fucking just depressed about the prospects of our life. And we consider, you know, just how many of the, how much of this is because of our, you know, not just because of the traps that have been laid out for us, but also because of our unwillingness on our behalf and perhaps even inability to create a more fulfilled life, dog. Or, you know, if you ask me personally, even the flat out naivete on the ability to do so. Okay. Now, what I mean by that is like excluding the obvious barriers of being incapable of satisfying our basic needs of survival, for instance, a lot of this rests on us because we just kind of settle for the fucking status quo. We just assume that this is what life is and that we're okay with it because this is how life has always been and how it will always be. And that very few of us go out of our way, especially in the hood, dog, where we're, you know, mostly concerned with surviving. We very rarely go out of our way to find alternatives to this kind of shit. You know what I mean? And uh, because of that, you see the very real effects like in the face, me personally in the face. This is like a little bit of the Nawa influence of the philosophy of the face, if you will. Fuck whoever the fuck it was, that German philosopher who said that they were the philosophers of the face. Fuck you, dog. You still, and the worst part about this motherfucker, Levinas, uh, Emmanuel Levinas. The worst part about this motherfucker is that he had the audacity to talk shit about Nawa philosophy, completely fucking discounting the fact. If you ask me, this motherfucker read Nawa philosophy and just stole that shit and said, Fuck these primitive fucking savage Indians. They don't know what the fuck they're philosophizing about. But here's the philosophy of the face that I'm going to introduce to you, right? And I'm going to fucking try to pass it off as this whole new revelation to the world. Fuck you. Fuck all you Lebanazians, okay? That shit is straight up Nawa philosophy, the philosophy of the face, okay? And um, I guess this is a little bit of application of the philosophy of the face, right? Because, again, me personally... Uh, I, I could just see it. Dog. I could see the fucking sadness. I could see the anger, the hostility and all that kind of shit in the body language, but more pronounced in the face, right? I can see it in the fucking words that people convey uh, the ideas of why it is that, you know, we're, we're, we're going through what we're going through in the first place, right? Specifically like in my students, in my students, bro, I could just see it in their faces. Um, I use a student example because like every semester, bro, every fucking semester, uh, one of the icebreakers that I like to start off with is just simply asking people like, what are you doing in this philosophy class to begin with? Okay. And, uh, I usually get the general responses, dog. As far as they're concerned, my philosophy class, it's just one of the many barriers that is in the way of them living a good life that we've all been socialized into believing will make us happy. And all we got to do is get a college degree to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? But the funny shit, dog, is that irrespective of how many, you know, I find it funny because it just it doesn't matter how many studies are conducted that demonstrate the absurdity of this belief, how much research has been done to highlight that the true amount of happiness that money can truly buy is somewhere like in the $80,000, okay? Or no matter how much insights have been acquired as to how much wealth is needed to even be truly considered part of the 1% of society, how many fucking Fight Club-esque movies are made highlighting the absurdity of relying on a fucking capitalist society to determine our happiness, the reality never seems to register with with most of us, dog, you know, I'm no exception. People in the hood were no exception. My students, no exception, right? Which this leads me to believe, dog, that we simply, we're just, 
again, this just goes back to that central point that we've been talking about, this desire to replace the void of happiness in our life with any number of distractions, you know, whether they be in the form of shitty relationships, politics, a fucking sports team, social media, you name it, dog, right? And in the process of attempting to connect with others on this universal level that is provided by such entities, it appears that we're only growing more and more disillusioned with reality and simply adding further to the clout that this alienation that drove us to seek to confront our, that, so, that, 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 that drove us to seek to com- uh, comfort ourselves in the first place. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the idea of that whole section that I shared with you from the book, this notion that we're hurting and we don't know why we're hurting, but we know that we're hurting and we're trying to alleviate this hurt. But everywhere that we look to fucking do so is only further leading us into more hurt because it's not satisfying. It doesn't satisfy the soul. It doesn't satisfy the spirit. You know what I mean? And uh, it gets to a point inevitably where we just kind of accept this to be the fucking default. We, we're, we're kind of like those beat, those beaten dogs, if you will, that I talked about on the previous thought experiment and another episode of the podcast that have been electrocuted so much at this point, we just fucking, we just accept it for the normal, you know what I mean? And I'm just, this whole purpose of hood philosophy is to say, no, dog, like there's another way. There is another way. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fucking, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. There's going to be plenty of relapses, but it's fucking, what's the alternative, dog, to just sit here and accept suffering as the default mode of existence? Like, nah, man, that's not, to me at least, that's not a satisfying solution. You know what I mean? Now, to be fair, to be fair, there are people who have found happiness through this material fucking reality that's been fucking given to us. I'll take here like a Nietzschean reading of it, if you will, where they're kind of, sh- if Nietzsche is correct, as Nietzschean reading, these people are sheltered, bro. These people are sheltered by the Judeo-Christian world about what reality truly is by their fucking moralizing, the Christian moralizing, you know what I mean? And that because of that, they're able to find happiness in the material world, okay? And, you know, if that's happiness... Who am I to say? Like, we, I've had another previous episode on the podcast where I talked about the argument of false happiness and shit. You know what I mean? Talking about how learning about my brother's cancer diagnosis specifically, but eh, that's a different story, right? <laughs> um, but the point is, like, maybe they're happy, maybe they're not happy. I don't fucking know, dog. But me personally, the philosopher inside of me, I can't help but recall the echoes, if you will, of all the great philosophical tidbits that come that came long before us, right? Preaching of the importance of fucking knowing thyself and how the unexamined life is not worth living right? So when I see people who are content with this material society, I, I, you know, I can't help but wonder, like, are they really happy or are they just faking the funk basically, right? But I guess that's, you know, part of the whole difficulty in understanding that maybe these philosophers are right or maybe they're not, maybe they're wrong, right? And that without doing so, without examining life at every fucking twist and turn, a good life can actually be had. I don't know, right? It seems to me though, intuitively, that that's not necessarily the case, right? And certainly I'm not alone in this fucking, in, in, in this supposition, okay? Um, this idea that, you know, <laughs> in the face of meaninglessness, in the face of the meaninglessness of existence, the only happiness to be had is that which we create, even if it comes in the form of, you know, mass-produced society. Who the fuck knows, right? Maybe the mass-produced society that we find ourselves enmeshed in is the correct answer. That's the only way to escape the absurdity. I don't know, Okay. What I do know, again, is that it seems as though without ever stopping to question whether this life is worth living, you'll never really truly enjoy either answer, right? So what I mean by that is like, yeah, dog, existence is terrifying, bro. And if you want to drink the Kool-Aid, I don't fucking blame you, okay? Me personally, I can't recount to you how many times I wished I could have fucking been affected by the quote-unquote Kool-Aid, whether it came in the form of religion, politics, a sports team, etc., right? Um, But it didn't work. It didn't work, all right? So... 
I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's it's hard to say one way or another, okay? But if you're asking me personally, I would say it's probably best to not drink the Kool-Aid and if you already have, to fucking try to undo all the elements of fucking programming that it's caused within us, okay? To unalter, if you will, our fucking thought pattern and try to be, live a more fucking fulfilling life by way of examination, irrespective of how difficult doing so would be, right? And, you know, this, this, all this shit that I'm talking about, bro, this is the kind of shit that I personally have found along with all the other quote unquote existential issues that the core of my students are mostly concerned with, right? And honestly, dog, I believe the reason really is as simple as understanding that these are real life problems, bro. That not, again, not only students, but everyone, bro, even those of us who have never taken a fucking philosophy class before ponder. And because of that, I'm confident in my assertion that philosophy is uniquely qualified to address these concerns, bro. Now, when it comes in terms of like suicide and shit, is it, is it good, you know, is dealing with, you know, is taking a philosophical approach to this question as good as, regular, as regularly consulting with a psychiatrist and seeking the best treatment options available? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. Of course not. But I am saying that on top of that, philosophizing could absolutely help. That's why, you know, existential psychotherapy and shit, bro. As it would appear as though one of the many reasons that people are succumbing to this point, right, to yeeting ourselves into exist non-existence is because we feel isolated, bro. We feel alienated and ultimately alone in the world, right? Again, I see this, I just see it, bro, in the faces of people that I encounter on a daily basis, right? Uh, people who are wrestling with these serious existential questions, dog. And again, you know, what many people would perceive as cool, common collectedness, you know, or maybe even outright anger. I don't I don't see it as anger, dog, or hostility, bro. I see it as sadness manifesting itself in these negative forms. And again, I got to continue to emphasize that the reason I'm so keen to it is because me, that was me. I still is me to the longest time. Whenever I find, still to this day, I should say, whenever I find myself to be very angry and upset at the world, I don't fucking pause and consider what the fuck is making me angry and upset right now. I pause and consider what is making me so sad. I'm at the point now where I recognize that I'm not fucking mostly angry and hostile. I'm fucking sad. What is hurting me? Why am I fucking feeling this type of way? You know what I mean? And it comes from so many different fucking reasons, dog. It could be from loneliness, right? This loneliness that itself is only fed by the seeming inability to connect to other people on a fundamental level, right? Again, which is weird because, you know, fuck, there's this ever-increasing access that the internet has given us, right? And you think to yourself, how is it possible that... (laughs) That I have literally the entirety of humanity at my fingertips and yet I still feel so alone. How is that possible? Right? And then this in turn, it births this most vicious of negative feedback, feedback loops, right? Where, you know, it's where we just, it just feeds on itself. It's like a black hole. It just feeds on itself, right? And it's exacerbated. And, and me personally, I just can't help but feel as though it's only exacerbated on philo- by philosophers who are unwilling to address this and all the other existential questions that give rise to the inevitable nihilism, you know, that comes when we're confronted with the seeming indifference of those who are able to adequately address it, right? Namely, philosophers. Like, you would think philosophers, y'all motherfuckers are the ones that know about nihilism. Y'all motherfuckers are the ones that know about the ways that people have addressed it and hopefully have been able to overcome it. Why don't you want to talk about it? And the answer is because philosophers, we're humans, dog. We're humans just like you, Right? Well, some of us may be aliens, okay? But that's another conversation for a different podcast. The basic gist is, though, like, we have the responsibility to talk about this because not only do we have the knowledge, but now moving along, we have the fucking experience, bro. I'm telling you, like me, obviously, okay? 
Yes, I'm not fucking angry 99.9% of the times. I'm fucking sad. Why am I sad? Because of all these fucking issues. And unlike most people, especially those that I grew up with in the hood, students that I'm teaching, they don't know the answers that have been given to these fucking solutions, or at least at least the, recognize, the, 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 the language to recognize them so that they can come up with their own answers, which is where our responsibility as philosophers comes into play to fucking share this with people. You know what I mean? Instead... Instead, what we do, like we, we're told, right, and we continue to tell our students that the cure for unhappiness, loneliness, and alienation will be had in the forms of material goods that we can purchase once we become fucking hardworking members of society, right? But again, hedonism, dog, the hedonic treadmill dictates that this just simply is not the case, bro. You'll grow tired of it. It will continue to fucking be unfulfilling. I guess I think here that one Kanye West track where he says, this is why another dance track's gotta hurt. What does he say specifically? People are going through some shit. Motherfuckers are out of work. That's why I know another dance track gotta hurt. I'm trying to talk about some real shit, dog. And all you motherfuckers want to do is distract from the issue, essentially. You know what I'm saying? And of course, all of this, I don't know, man. I have a really weird relationship with social media in general. I personally don't take the 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 the, the, the consensus view currently that it's an, an, an entirely negative thing. Uh, I, I I do agree that there's a lot of negative elements to it, but for the most part, I fall along the camp that says that uh, it, it is what you, you get from it, what you put into it. And you can fucking choose to surround yourself with, you know, a fucking mindless social media consumption, or you can use it to fucking, you know, surround yourself with intellectual and spiritually fulfilling fucking into, uh, 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 social media content. Like the choice is up to you. You know what I mean? But um, I guess in this particular sense, one part that really does really stick out to me is that in terms of like isolation and loneliness, dog, it feel it's it's weird how it could, how it can be potentially compounded by social media, dog. Because we ask ourselves again, how is it possible that I'm connected to literally fucking every person on the planet, but I can't seem to find a meaningful connection with any one of them? You know what I mean? Now, uh, there's no need to turn this into some self righteous diatribe, this lamenting the loss of humanity in this fucking age of connectedness, if you will, right? Because there's already plenty of that shit circulating on the internet, but. I would be remiss, however, to completely ignore the impact that it's having on our lives, bro, as there undoubtedly, undoubtedly seems to be some relationship between the two. But like I said, I'm, it's, not really, it's not really my concern for this particular episode, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to betray the hard work of my statistics instructor and assume some sort of correlation uh, and causation where there perhaps doesn't exist any, right? But I'm just going to simply leave it at that. It would be foolish not to grant that this extreme loneliness, uh, this extreme loneliness that we're dealing with is fucking unprecedented, dog. There's no way it can be precedented because the level of connectedness has never, at least what we're told, never existed before. There could have been ancient societies that had just as much or perhaps better connectivity than we do now. We don't know because, you know, day schools and all that kind of shit, right? But the point that I'm trying to get to is simply this. The ability to distract ourselves, dog, is readily available, perhaps more so than ever before, Right? And I guess moving on towards the end of this podcast, the question now becomes, what are we distracting ourselves from, dog? This is coming on the heels of the fucking release of the metaverse and all that kind of shit, dog. So it's only stranger to me now, this desire to distract ourselves because we basically have a fucking living thought experiment in the terms of philosophy of the experience machine, right? Then experience machine. And I'll talk about it in a previous, in a, in a forthcoming podcast, maybe one day. You know what I mean? Maybe, not maybe, for sure. Um... But the idea here is that we have this experience machine that's fucking tailor-fitted to suit our desires. So much so that we can fucking escape the de facto world into this fucking unreal world, this simulated world, 
that fucking where nothing offends us. Everything is fucking catered to our every need. We've all accomplished every single one of the goals we desired and so on. You know what I mean? Um, but I guess the point that I'm trying to make is why the impetus would be to jump into that simulation machine in the first place. What is the impetus to jump into the metaverse in the first place, right? Now, don't get me twisted because I'm not trying to sound like some fucking technology-hating boomer. I'm just saying that it's tripped out to me, again, how throughout this entire process, very few of us are pausing to consider this fucking question, bro. Like, what are we running away from? Do you really think that... Simply put, I think, if I'm correct, we're running away from ourselves, bro. And the question then becomes is, do you really think jumping into the fucking metaverse, into the quote-unquote experience machine, is going to help you do so? If you ask me personally, the answer is no. We're just going to import all of our fucking problems into the metaverse, and we're going to continue to fucking seek satisfaction and fulfillment where there will absolutely be none to be had, right? But to be fair, dog, like to be fair... I absolutely understand the impetus to want to jump into the fucking simulation, dog. Because we, we ourselves, we are terrifying. So what I mean by that is like we as people, dog, we are fucking terrifying in the sense that the shit that exists within us is haunting, okay? (laughs) So, I mean, I know me personally, I fucking have tried so many different ways of trying to escape what is inside of me because of how terrifying it is and how painful it is to address that kind of shit, you know what I mean? So I can understand the impetus to want to fucking escape into the simulation, And then on top of us, our own personal selves being fucking terrifying. Dude, reality is fucking terrifying. You know what I mean? So again, the idea to jump into the fucking metaverse, it's completely completely understandable, right? I would say that even the most cocksure among us, dog, would be lying. They're just lying. I would, I maintain uh, that they, if, if they've never, if they say that they've never paused to consider the mystery of what existence is, irrespective of how, you know, certain they were in their beliefs, right? And for those of us that aren't so quick to answer, or rather to take the answer at face value, this situation is even worse because, you know, the second we find out that nobody truly knows what's going on, dog, fucking forget about it, man, right? So, of course, I can understand the impetus to want to jump into the fucking experience machine, the metaverse, whatever you want to call it, right? And especially for those of us who are fucking existentially inclined, if you will, right? Because for us, dog... I mean, shit, I'm not trying to sound fucking histrionic, yo, but there's no question that there exists this special place called existential despair, right? And, you know, people like you and I, we have this one-way ticket to the fucking quote-unquote unhappiest place on earth, bro, this place of existential despair, okay? And, you know, for the most part, we fucking, we never leave, bro. So it would appear as though jumping into the metaverse, into the simulation machine is an escape, is something of an escape from that, you know what I mean? Because... Like Nietzsche tells us, we are afflicted, if you will, by the existential sickness. So to be sure, right, it would seem as though it offers something of a remedy, okay? It would offer a remedy in the sense that it seems as though it's going to escape, lead us to escape the absurdity of existence, right? Okay? And uh, at least it's a, a more palatable escape from the absurdity of existence than the more obvious one, which is, you know, eating oneself into, uh, into non-existence and all that kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? So again, that's that's circling back around to the whole point of this podcast and how it relates to like suicide and all that kind of shit. The point of hood philosophy is to, you know, try to offer an alternative, bro. Like maybe a simulation is fucking dope, but perhaps you need to do some shadow work before you jump in that bitch. Because if you don't, you're just going to be bringing all your fucking problems with you and it's not going to solve anything. It's just going to be another fucking way to satiate our fucking desire to escape. It's going to be another way to anesthetize ourselves from pain of existence. You know what I mean? 
So, you know, maybe do a little bit of the fucking shadow work. Just jump into the metaverse. Who gives a fuck? But maybe do a little bit of the shadow work before you do so that you can find actual happiness and fucking peace and fulfillment. You know what I mean? And this is all shit, of course, that is not fucking talked about. And that's the whole impetus. You know what I mean? So this is kind of the point that I'm trying to make is because I'm convinced, dog. I'm convinced that philosophy can help us the most in doing this, bro. Right? For those of us who, you know, our existential despair can't be cured by adjustments to our health and lifestyle choices or by prescribed medications, right? Because of the neuro, neurotransmitter deficiencies and all that kind of shit, right? There's no doubt in my mind, dog, that philosophy can at the very least, at the very, very least, assuage much of our suffering, bro. Not all of it, but a lot of it, right? But again, not just any philosophy, bro, because I hope that I've made it quite clear by this point that the Western tradition of academic philosophy it simply has no interest in addressing these fucking burning existential questions that haunt us, bro, right? I'm, I cannot fucking, I cannot fucking emphasize this to you, bro. As someone who got fucking, again, from an undergraduate all the way through a PhD level in fucking philosophy, you know what I mean? I would sit there and I would fucking ask myself, bro, like these burning existential questions like, what is it like to be dead? Or what is it like to experience the process of dying? You know what I mean? Questions that, you know, relate to the existence of God, the nature of reality, questions about whether we have free will or if we're just simply another inanimate object without any fucking... Uh, agency at all that's sub simply subjected to the whims of the mechanical universe you know what i mean questions about the meaning of life bro or the lack thereof or you know my own personal favorite who the fuck let the dogs out and why you know what i mean <laughs> okay maybe that last one not so much so but the point is uh you know we, we obsess dog we obsess over these facts that we only have so much you know we obsess over these questions, bro, okay? And then we, if you're like me, you further obsess over the fact that we only have so much time to make sense of it all in the hopes that doing so, uh, that we do so rather quick enough to make something, fucking anything, dog, of value uh, with the wisdom that we've accrued along the way before the opportunity to do so has passed us by. Again, this is what I'm talking, this is what I was talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, trying to undo myself from this fucking teleological, this Judeo-Christian teleology understanding that it's not about the end goal it's about the fucking journey there you know what i mean <laughs> but you know obviously the worst part is dog is that everywhere we look we see people you know maybe someone up front as though they got it all together dog especially on social media you know they might post their little pictures and fucking generate all the likes i'm guilty of this shit too right that lead us to fucking think as though they got it together dog but i just you know we might assume that they have their lives together and all that kind of shit, but for the most part, dog, I know I'm speaking on behalf of me, like, it's, it's just not true, bro. You know what I mean? There's obviously lots of fucking shit that I got to fucking deal with myself personally and that I can try to fucking ignore this by way of social media or the incoming metaverse experience machine, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, that, that itself is just another fucking practice in attempting to fucking disassociate myself from the real shit that matters, and that is what I'm running from in the first place, which is, of course, me. I'm running away from me. And all the fucking, not just me, but reality in general, like how haunting both are. You know what I mean? And um, the impetus here for hood philosophy being the understanding that this is something that all of us are going to experience, bro, at one point or another. But no one ever wants to talk about it. No one ever wants to talk about it, it seems, right? Which has always fucking struck me as odd because I personally think that you would imagine that given the immediacy of the situation alone, not just the, the immediacy of it all, like you're going to die. I'm going to die. Everyone's going to die. You know what I mean? You would think that that alone, the immediacy of that realization alone would be enough to inspire people to seize, if you will, this fucking ephemeral moment that we call life at every moment to take advantage of the unique privilege that we have to live as happy and actualized as life or to live as happy and actualized a life as possible. You know what I mean? 
seems as though my fucking I don't know what's going on with my fucking camera, dog. I think I'm running out of fucking memory. So let's just wrap this bitch up. But the whole point is like, you would think that given the ephemerality of it, that we would cease to try to take fucking life by the horns, if you will, at any moment. But it's just, it's weird to me that doesn't seem to be the case. You know what I mean? That most of us are just content to avoid this reality by any means. Myself included, dog. Maybe this podcast itself is a fucking, just another one of those practices. I would hope not, but as much... The, the streets are hungry, dog. Is the point that I'm going to get to. Okay, I'm just going to wrap this bitch up because I'm definitely out of fucking video space. I got to go. I need memory card or something. And I don't want to continue to record without video. But the basic gist is the streets are hungry, dog. Okay? I know this because I'm from the streets. I come from the streets. You know, I'm a fucking organic scholar to use the academic language. I'm a motherfucking hood philosopher to use my language. You know what I'm saying? And it's just... I, don't, I refuse to believe that I'm alone in this. I know I'm not alone in this. I know others are fucking hungry as well. Whether you're from the burbs or the hood, it doesn't matter. I know the streets are hungry and academia has no fucking vested desire in trying to satiate that hunger, dog. So the whole goal then is to fucking liberate the knowledge from academia and bring it back to the fucking streets where it can fucking do the most potential good for the most amount of people. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be easy because it's going to require that we fucking... We got to dig deep. We got to dig deep to some real painful shit, dog. But in doing so, hopefully, we'll emerge this fucking community of people, of like-minded people who can help one another do the same. Not only for the sake of the community, but for the sake of the individual as well, dog. Right? And that's kind of the, the ultimate tie, tying into the beginning of the podcast that I was talking about in the beginning with this desire to build a community. Why? Because I understand full well, dog, that it takes a village. And I'm telling you, like, I can't do this shit alone. Like, I want to be that person that can fucking do it all alone. But again, I'm not fucking niche dog. You know what I mean? And I guess to that extent, Mitchie wasn't Mitchie either because he did speak openly about trying to, you know, help others as well get to the point that he believes himself to be at, which I believe he did achieve. You know what I mean? So the idea here being, I guess, ultimately is that uh, I've been, I am there. I have been there. I know what it's like. You know what I mean? And I know I'm not alone. The idea is that I hope that you know that you're not alone either. You know what I mean? And that together, in building this community, we can try to transcend many of the problems that in the modern age seem to be plaguing us to such an extent where motherfuckers feel as though the only option, uh, you know, is to yeet themselves into non-existence. So, yeah, I guess with that said, I'll leave this particular episode. And, uh, yeah, I guess thank you for tuning along. And until next time, I'll see you then. Peace.